Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. If you go on YouTube and you Google or search for terms that match whatever it is that you're trying to market or trying to do, you will find plenty of examples of how to do it right and how to do it wrong. So first, I would always say, do your research. First thing you should always do is do research. How do I want to present myself? Who do I want to be? Who do I want people to see me as? You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Hello, everyone. Today, I am joined by Kenya Thompson. She is the creator of Word Crumbs, a live show that I was fortunate enough to be a part of, which is how we met. She hosts conversations that are critical and unique to each guest. And now she is here with me to share her unique skill and her unique passion, which is public speaking. So thank you so much, Kenya, for having me here today. Thank you for having me. For being here with me today. (laughs) No, no, that's fine. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes. And that blunder is a perfect segment into why people are so nervous and get so flustered when they have to speak publicly. There can be times when you mix up your words, when maybe you say something that doesn't come across how you intended, when maybe like you can talk normally in conversation, but when it comes to articulating your thoughts in a way that's digestible and concise and engaging, that can leave a lot to be desired when you're trying to translate that into public speaking. (laughs) So for you, I think that is also something that you're not immune to that. You just addressed that challenge head on and decided to make that your superpower. So can you talk a little bit about how you overcame like your fear of public speaking and putting yourself out there? Yeah. So I share this story about how I was so afraid to simply raise my hand and ask to go to the bathroom in, I think, the sixth or seventh grade that I wet my pants. You know, and I share this story every time I encounter a group of students, adults, whoever, who's like, I can't, I can't public speak. Like, listen, if I can go from wetting my pants to now speaking in front of hundreds, thousands of people and being on TV, then you can certainly do this. So I don't know that I ever had a desire. I just knew that I enjoyed having conversations with people. I enjoyed communicating and learning about new people. And I couldn't do that if I was silent. And so it just somehow transpired somewhere around college where I was like, I want to major in mass communications. I want to be a journalist. And so the same shy little girl that couldn't ask to use the bathroom now was trying to be a reporter. But, you know, there's a lot to say about doing the work and really understanding your traumas and your triggers because 15 years ago, I didn't make it in news. And it was because I didn't deal with the little girl who wet her pants. And so a lot of the work around public speaking 
has to do with understanding what your triggers are, what your fears are, and where they stem from, because it's different for everyone. So that work continues. I still will get nervous. Sometimes it's more of an excitement than fear nerves, but it's still nerves nonetheless. I find, I try to find out what triggers the nerves. And so for me, it's like a big room. It doesn't matter how many people are in there. If it's a huge room, or space, it makes me nervous. So it's just doing the work beforehand and preparing yourself to understand what am I facing and how may that trigger my fears. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story again for our viewers and our listeners, because I think what you illustrated is that public speaking fears don't have to stem from this necessarily big room. They don't have to necessarily stem from what we may all consider to be public speaking, right? And uh, that translates to a lot of other areas in our life. It could stem to being afraid to just get on a solo video, make a YouTube Mm -hmm. video, make a video for social media, which not everybody is being encouraged to do. And a lot of people are not showing up in that way because that's just, they're afraid. They're not going to be good at it. They get nervous. As soon as they see the record button, they just, they freeze. Um, And if you have a problem doing it in that small audience, or maybe you're just in a room by yourself, imagine how it's going to be when you show up to a room to network, when you show up to a room to meet other people, when you show up to a room to ask for money. It's going to be that much worse (laughs) if you can't overcome that fear of just like somebody is seeing me and they are perceiving me in a way that may be different from the way that I perceive myself, right? And so that can be very scary when we start talking about starting a career, whether you're mm-hmm. starting a career in journalism, where you are very public facing, or starting a career in entrepreneurship. When it comes to reckoning with that, um, really that facet of ourselves that is afraid to put ourselves out there, essentially, what are some of the things that you recommend people start to think about in order to reframe and reshape their thoughts around the negativity they associate with public speaking? Yeah. First thing I usually tell people is that it's not about you, right? The conversations aren't about us. They're about the person we're talking to. So I think when we start shifting perspective from what's wrong with me or what are people going to see about me or what are people going to think about me and shift the conversation to what do people need from me and how can I provide them with the tools or the knowledge that they're going to need to succeed, that focus on self is removed. And it makes it a lot easier for us to frame a conversation with someone that they're going to benefit from. And it's just like any sport, anything that we want to get better at, we have to do it. We have to practice. We don't get better at something without practicing. We have to build up the muscle. And so if you truly want to be an entrepreneur, I'm an introvert, but I'm also an extrovert. Like I'm both and I know how to play both roles, but we have to find that extrovert muscle and work that muscle. Some people are okay with not being in the limelight, not having to have conversations, not being a presenter. And that means you're likely going to take a back seat in a lot of things. And if you're okay with that, that is absolutely fine. We need backseaters for some other reasons, right? But if you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be a leader, you want to be a person that advocates for something or speaks up for something, you're going to have to exercise the muscle. There's no really getting around it. So a lot of the work that I do feels like therapy because once again, I have this saying that says past communication shapes our future or past trauma in communication shapes our future conversations. 
And if we don't understand what those past traumas are, and they could be small and we don't recognize them or label them as traumas, and that's usually the problem, but they could be tiny. But if we don't know what they are, we don't know what we're working uh, for. We don't know what challenges we're trying to overcome. And it's going to be that much harder to effectively lead that business or that initiative or that team if we don't know what we have to confront in ourselves first. Yeah, I appreciate you for saying that. And I appreciate you for framing the conversation around like, it's not all about you, it's about the other person, right? Especially in one-to-one conversations, a lot of conversation is listening and being present. But then on the other half, again, you have to still show up. So really like showing the person that you're listening through the words that you say in response, right? So for people who, let's say they started a business in the last year, right? And now they're being thrown into not just creating a great product or doing a great service, but now showing up and marketing themselves. Mm-hmm. And whatever that means, whether that's in-person networking, whether that's showing up online, whether that's doing a lot of virtual one-on-ones and things like that. I think that's a skill that you excel at because during the pandemic, you were able to pivot very easily to doing a lot of virtual conferences and things like that and consulting in that way. And it wasn't just about you showing up. It was also about the people you're working with. Like you had to be able to get them to be confident on video and show up online Mm -hmm. and show up in that way, which is two different skill sets, right? (laughs) So being the host and the kind of the the talent manager. So for people who don't have a talent manager, who don't maybe necessarily have that coach rooting them on and supporting them in their corner, but they're saying, I have something I want to say. I want to get better at saying it and saying it consistently. And I need to practice. What are some ways to get out there and practice? Mm -hmm. Well, first I encourage, like, if you don't have finances to get a coach, I understand it. But if you do, I would certainly encourage getting a coach. Every coach needs a coach. Every person needs a coach. You should always be coached at some point in life, right? If you don't, that's okay, because we have access to a plethora of coaching type materials, right? If you go on YouTube and you Google or search for terms that match whatever it is that you're trying to market or trying to do, you will find plenty of examples of how to do it right and how to do it wrong. So first I would always say, do your research. First thing you should always do is do research. How do I want to present myself? Who do I want to be? Who do I want people to see me as? When someone says Kenya Thompson, there's a feeling that comes with that. It could be negative or positive. I can't necessarily control how people perceive me, but I can put a narrative out there, right? And so that narrative needs to be consistent. Either people are going to like it or they're not, but they're going to know what my narrative is. Does that make sense? And I think a lot of times people want everyone to like you. It's not going to be possible. It's just not. But what do you feel comfortable with? What do you feel comfortable being known as and seen as? And I think that's going to be the first step to understanding how to market yourself. Because there's so many ways to market yourself and it can get overwhelming. It can get confusing. So if you lose sight of who you are, you're going to lose sight of that marketing too. And it's not going to make sense to anyone. And one thing we don't want to do is have various narratives out there of ourselves because then people don't know who you are. They don't know what they're buying. They don't know what they're experiencing. And at the end, they're just not going to want to experience it. So figure out who you are. Yeah. And I think that's that sounds like so simple sometimes. But then yeah. when you know you start a business or you start a new venture and you're like, well, the person I am 
before this is not the person I am now. The person mm -hmm. that I need to become to get to that next level is not the person I am now. You know, it's going to take something different out of me. So like you're yeah. entering into this state of transition where you're growing and learning and doing and mm -hmm. trying and failing and winning and yes. trying to make sense of it all. And so that can also be part of our narrative. And I think sometimes we shy away from the parts of our narrative that aren't so pretty. Right. Yeah. Even though those parts are probably the best parts for us to share because they make us human. That vulnerability. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I mean, I had to learn that like when you're building and not necessarily wanting to build in public, but you mm -hmm. kind of have to build in public to be transparent. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. if you don't ask for help, you probably won't get it. So you, you can't sit here and say everything's rosy and then turn around and ask for help. You got to be honest about yeah. why you need that help. Right. Yeah. You can't sit here and say like, business is going great. I'm getting clients when the reality is you're getting clients, but not the ones that you want, but you're right. just taking what you can get because you need money. Right. And so I think there's definitely a truth to power and a truth to being honest about your narrative and the narratives that we craft. Mm -hmm. So when we, when we talk about how can we do a better job of representing ourselves and being true to ourselves and knowing who we are, do you have like a journaling habit of any kind? So my journaling is more video form and I actually wanted to create an app for that, but <laughs> I'm not a techie person, so it stopped. But anyway, I do journal at, from time to time writing. I do love to write, but my time is so busy that I found myself on drives or just washing dishes or doing something either video recording myself talking through my thoughts or my feelings or just sometimes a memo, an audio memo. And that helps me a lot. And it helps me because the video and the audio, and this could just be my production brain, but it helps me understand the emotion behind what I was saying or feeling at that time. Whereas if I write it, when I read back, I may interpret it with a different voice. So for me, it's been a lot more effective for me to do a video journal because I get to relive those feelings and I get to understand where I was and maybe see how I've grown or how those feelings either have gotten better or maybe worse, or have I stayed stagnant? And so that's been how I, especially through the pandemic, was able to kind of release certain things and emotions and write down thoughts. Yeah. This episode was made possible with Savvy Cal. Scheduling meetings manually can be so time consuming and scheduling video podcast interviews is no different. From making sure all your guests have the correct meeting link to following up with next steps, the list of emails goes on. But what if you could streamline this process? With Savvy Cal, you can. Take the stress out of your scheduling workflows with customizable reminders, the ability to sync multiple calendars, and more at the link in the description. All right, let's get back to today's guest. So were they always this production that I see now or are you no. sometimes no. pull out a cell phone? <laughs> no, I just put out my cell phone and just in the, my rawest form. I could be crying. I could be laughing, whatever, but it would just be a recording. No, you don't have yeah. to have a whole setup to do it. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. And that's what I was trying to illustrate too, for people yeah. who may be just starting and don't have access to video recording gear outside of their cell phone. I think sometimes we underestimate the power of just using what we have mm -hmm. to share our story and to share our thoughts and to share our feelings. So people who may be on the scrapper side, people who have Full scale production, I think story is the most important. And I want to bring that back to this element here 
where not only do you have your own show, Word Crumbs, where you're telling stories and yeah. helping people or giving people a platform to kind of craft a narrative, right? Or share their stories and things like that. You are also now one of the hosts and producers for the Black Issues Forum. Yeah. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit about how that plays into the progression of your career? Because on some level, that is journalism. So you say mm-hmm. maybe when you're first out of college, it didn't work, but now it's working yeah. very well, right? Mm-hmm. So can you talk to me a little bit about, about that? Yeah, I have yet to create this story, but my business partner, he was like, you got to make this a story. And I said, I know. It's a full <laughs> circle moment. Um, you know, I mentioned being a young newsy right out of college. And I was at a station where I was an intern, where it was a small station, but it was in Raleigh and we were top 20. And I was fortunate to be in a small townish station, but in a big city, but we shut down. And so I was thrown into one of the top three stations in the area and I was floundering. I was lost. All of those subconscious traumas of conversation and am I worth this? Do people want to hear my voice? Are people going to find what I have to say worthy? All of those thoughts kept coming up and I played very, very small in a big, big space. And I ended up leaving after, I mean, I had been in news for about three or four years at that point, but after being at that station, I left after about a year and I didn't look back. I was very upset with myself, but I kind of pacified that with a career in marketing and communications. But over the years, it's been over a decade, probably about 15, 16 years since I had left news. And throughout those years, though, I always found myself gravitating back towards the camera, whether that was telling other people's stories or creating my own platform for critical conversations. And so throughout the pandemic, I made it really a point that I was going to have a show every Thursday. And I did it. And I was like, wow, if I can do this, then you know, I can do anything. And I reached out to Deborah Holt Noel, who was the host of Black Issues Forum, not to be part of Black Issues Forum, but to ask, how would I get a show on PBS? Because that's where we air. And she said, well, I don't know about that, but you can come help us with Black Issues Forum. And I was like, okay, sure. And it was beautiful because I had the courage enough to ask for what I wanted and needed. And then I remember the day that she wanted me to work on this story And it was a Black Lives Matter story. And after reading some of the details behind the arrest and, you know, some of the facts that came out, I felt like this wasn't a Black Lives Matter issue. The old Kenya would have just kept that quiet and continued on with the narrative she wanted. But I got nervous and I was like, no, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to say that I don't feel like this is a true Black Lives Matter story. We're perpetuating this Black Lives Matter thing. And I told her and she looked at me and she said, I think you're right. I don't think that this is a real Black Lives Matter story. And that empowered me in such a small way, but yet it was so impactful. And to fast forward about six months later now, she at the end of last year said, you know what? I kind of want to focus on my other show, which is NC Weekend. And how do you feel about hosting Black Issues Forum? And I was like, I feel great about hosting Black Issues Forum. And so here we are. And it's a beautiful way to kind of merge 
my news background with storytelling because it's not day-to-day news and it's more about the stories that impact our community. And I haven't felt so fulfilled. I don't think I've ever felt as fulfilled as I do now. So it's been a great, like I said, full circle moment to see it, to see the beginning, like come to this point right now that I never thought would happen. So it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. No, first of all, congratulations. I'm so, so happy to hear that you're now uh, the host of that show. But one thing that you did was you made a really two clear distinctions here. You had one, a pivotal moment where you said, yeah, I know I'm working with this team, but if I'm going to do this and not get lost in it, then I have to be able to say what's on my mind. Right. Yeah. So even now, even to this day, you're still trying to, not trying to, but successfully working through how to show up and how to use your voice in the right way and express yourself and your thoughts. And not in a way that's confrontational by nature or anything like that, but just like Mm -hmm. saying like, hey, this is what I think. And if I'm going to execute on this correctly, it needs to be right. And so that's very interesting. I think no matter what capacity or whether you're working for yourself or you're working with a team of people, um, that's a very important space to be in where you're comfortable saying, hey, I disagree. Yeah. Um, which is a large part of public speaking as well. Because again, like not everybody's going to like you, nope. but you have to decide <laughs> what you're comfortable with and what you're yeah. comfortable with is doing the right thing and doing yeah. right by a story. And then the other half is you made the distinction between storytelling and journalism, right? Mm-hmm. And how those two kind of work together, but also how those two are very different. And that journalism is like, what's in the news right now? What's a trending mm-hmm. story? What's a recent story? And storytelling is less about what's trendy, what's popular, what are people after what's happened recently. It's more about what are some threads and narratives that maybe aren't as popular right now, but still very relevant that we can uplift and dive deeper on and give a platform to expose to the public and get in to everyday culture and everyday conversations Mm -hmm. that are affecting us every day that maybe we don't talk about, right? Right. Because they're just not in the news for whatever reason. And that's very important, too, for people who are public speaking and trying to find their voice and trying to practice. Because I think, too, even now, even on Twitter, even on YouTube, it's like what's trending is what gets pushed, right? Mm -hmm. But what is evergreen, what is, you know, something that's going to stand the test of time is what does well for for you in the long run, right? So you may go viral now. But in the long run, if there's no substance, How right, sustainable is it? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I guess now we're in the sustainable storytelling part of the conversation <laughs> because yeah. yeah, I think that's how we can, I'm sure we could be here all day talking about how mm-hmm. to create content buckets and how to create your voice and how to show up consistently and how to create, craft yes. a plan for consistently showing up or creating your own show like Critical Conversations or Hunting Hustle. But not everybody's going to maybe take it that far, right? I right. think on some level, people just need to be able to know, one, how to tell a story. Yeah. Number two, how to tell it well. Number three, how to tell it consistently. And then how to tell it in different mediums, right? Whether that's mm-hmm. on a show, whether that's where they're standing up doing a presentation, whether it's on their social media, just typing out a little tweet. So I think there's different ways that you can show up and tell an effective story, even if maybe it doesn't seem like people are watching right now. Right. And I think that's what happened with, or at least part of what happened maybe with the Black Issues Forum. I don't think Deborah would have offered you to come, offered to have you come help if you didn't already have a proof of concept, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think that she would have said, hey, why don't you take this over for me if you didn't show up and do 
you know, above and beyond what she thought, you know, was going to happen. And I think that speaks to, again, sustainable storytelling and that if you came in and you said, let's talk about everything, we're going to label everything Black Lives Matter, everything's great, we're just going to keep churning out things that yeah. probably would not have lasted long because she's this person yeah. isn't really speaking to long-term issues that people who are either turning to the show when it goes live or tuning into the show three years from now who are re-watching episodes that we've posted are going to yeah. find relevant. And I think as storytellers, as journalists, as communicators, we have the responsibility of ethical communication too, right? We can't continue to perpetuate a narrative just because it's popular. If it's not true, it's not true. And we have a duty to present that to our audience and to inform our people because we're not doing anyone any justice by just lying to them just to be popular. Uh, That's my approach to storytelling and to communicating and to journalism. If it's not true, I don't care who thinks it is. I don't care who wants it to be. I'm going to bust your bubble and tell you that it's not. It's just, you know, and we can have a conversation from there and we can have a. Yeah, no, 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 that's very important. And I think in an age where everything can be, that can be misconstrued, will be misconstrued. I think there's definitely an onus on people who are putting work out to say like to the best of my ability once this leaves me this is true and correct to the best of my understanding yeah um so as we wrap up here today one thing i really wanted to leave people with was a sense of understanding of how public speaking manifests in our everyday lives right mm-hmm. because the reality is one of my favorite quotes from chris boss is that negotiation is part of everyday life right mm-hmm. from the moment you wake up and get an order at Starbucks to the moment you negotiate with your spouse what time you go into bed. Every yeah. time, every conversation is a negotiation conversation. just about. Yeah. And one of his favorite, like he teaches a lot of techniques about negotiation and reflective listening and things like that. And tactical empathy, as he calls it, um, mm-hmm. which is obviously like an FBI thing. But again, applicable to this conversation and that yeah. there are probably some people who are like, okay, I recognize that this is something I could get better at both from, you know, my interpersonal relationships to business relationships to larger gatherings, right? So can you talk to me about ethos around public speaking as it relates to just getting started right now today with changing your relationship with speaking and expressing yourself? Yeah. Can I show my book? Is that okay? Absolutely. I wrote a book. I wrote a book. Shameless plug. Conversations Beyond the Screen. And in this book, I talk about... Every interaction is is a conversation, is public speaking. Public speaking is not one to a thousand. It can be one to one. And so when we think about how we approach every individual relationship, whether that's an intimate one, um, a temporary one, a friendship, every conversation matters. And so in the book, I talk about assessing each relationship and how you communicate with the person. If you find pain points in communication, then there's room for growth there. And that's for both parties, right? Because it's not a one-sided thing. It's a two-sided interaction. And so understanding your part in that interaction and how do you improve it means really dissecting 
every relationship that's meaningful around you. Once we do that, relation, external relationships will be so much easier when we have conversations with them. We find a lot of struggles within our close relationships. It's the saying, the people that are closest to us hurt us the most because we care about them. So we care about what they say and how they say things. And if we take time to assess those relationships and those conversations that we have, we'll have much more effective conversations at work, at the grocery store, with our friends. But we have to start where it hurts most. And that's where people don't like to start. But that's where you'll find the most effective yeah, tough conversations. That could be a whole show in and of itself. I think about right. it. Yes, but I appreciate you sharing those insights with us today, sharing your book with us, sharing your expertise with us. And of course, this beautiful background that I will probably never top on this show. So, well, maybe that's not true. But you know what I'm trying to say. I think it's gorgeous. Yeah, I think I it's such a tone for everybody watching. And I appreciate you coming Thank on today. You. Of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.